0: You're listening to the Real Estate Runway podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family. Today, we have Zachary Beach, Zach for short, on the phone with Smart Real Estate Coach. Now, you're going to recognize, and I didn't realize this till the very end, his brother-in-law was just on the show like one or two episodes back, Nick Prefontaine, so he was talking about a different aspect of the business than Zach will be talking about today. So Zach is gonna get into creative financing, specifically seller financing, lease options, and subject to purchases, which we can really, it's like a bolt-on to your real estate investing repertoire. You're not gonna use these all the time. That was a hard word to say, by the way, repertoire. But anyway, let's get right into it. I'd love to let you guys learn some of the nuggets that we're gonna be talking about today. And we're also, sneak peek, we're going to be getting into some 2008 real estate crash failures, how they happened, and what you can do to not be that guy who gets crushed in the next recession. Okay, so let's get into it. Before we do, if you get any value out of this show, please leave us that five-star review, thoughtful comment, like us on YouTube, all the things. That is the only way we reach more people just like you, so pay it forward. If you want to find us on the socials, my team at Quattro Capital, we're all on all of the socials. But specifically, if you want to find the company, Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters, or just visit us at thequattroway.com and you'll see all of our links there. Now, if you want to apply to be on the podcast, I would love to have you on. These conversations make my day. So hit us at thequattroway.com slash podcast and we will see you all on the show. And finally, If you want to leave us any sort of an email, hit us at podcast at thequattroway.com. Love to hear from you. Topic requests, just to say hello. We love to hear from you. Love, love it. So without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. Here is Zach Beach. All right, all right, all right. Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. I'm your host, Chad Sutton. We are powered by Quattro Capital behind me. I never know if I'm going to get my thumbs the right way. The screen is mirrored for those of you here on YouTube. You never know. Anyway, today on the show, we have a good friend of mine, Zachary Beach with Smart Real Estate Coach. We're going to get into some really powerful stuff today. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you, man?
1: Chad, I am excited to be here today, my man. I'm excited to be on this runway. I know Unfortunately, we weren't able to record this last week. So, what they say is it's totally worth the wait. So, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a blast day, I'm sure.
0: I think it will be. And what's funny, you say that. I think every episode for the last two years, there's been some comment of yeah, we rescheduled this so many times. Like, I think I need to hire a host or something like that. But running the company is unfortunately taking a lot of time. So, anyway, here we are. We're bringing content to you today. So, Zach, man, before we get into the meat of what we're gonna talk about today with what Smart Real Estate Coach does. Tell me about yourself. Why'd you launch a coaching company? How'd you get into this? Who was Zach as a kid? Let's go through all that and get us caught up with who you are today.
1: Yeah, Jay, I appreciate you asking. There's so many layers and so many directions we could go in, but to simplify it, I was, I was a boy that grew up in a rich town. I used to always say I grew up with a chip on my shoulder because I was a poor kid in a rich town and I grew up with a single mother. So I was always, I gonna say wanting, but always looking towards the other side of the tracks per se. And- I was one of those kids, I was always in and out of trouble. And I really only graduated high school because my teachers told me I couldn't. And I only went to college because, again, they told me I couldn't. So when I went ahead and I graduated from a small state school here up in Massachusetts, I grew up in in Central Mass. And then we built a company down in Rhode Island, right down here on the water. And then I moved back to Massachusetts. When I graduated from college, I honestly had zero idea what to do because I went to school just on a spike. Really? So when I graduated, I, I became a bartender and then started making some cash flow. That was a lot of fun. I learned, I can tell you, I probably learned more years in my my secondary college, that I'd call bartending, than I did in my first college. But then I need some more money. So then I started personal training. And then eventually, as you can imagine, I started burning the kettle at both ends. With bartending, you stay up all night. And with personal training, you typically wake up really early in the morning. So it wasn't necessarily the best two combination. But I did that for a while. I did that about four years. And I remember one night, my wife also bartended. One night I went to her and I said, I'm exhausted. And I said, there's going to be a better way. Um, So what I ended up doing was I ended up reaching out to my father-in-law, who's now one of my partners. And he's partnered with me on about four different companies at this point in time. And I know he was revamping his real estate business. He got crushed in 2008 and just relaunched his business through creative financing, which I'm sure we'll dive in here today. So I approached him and I said, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to like real estate investing, but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than what I'm doing here. Uh, So we ended up pairing up and I ended up joining the family business. And I did all the exciting things when it comes to real estate investing, all the sexy things. I was making cold calls to sellers that were open to selling. And I did that uh, consistently for many hours a day in between my bartender and personal training. And I did that for about six months. And then eventually, I just completely burned the ships, as they call it, Cortez. I burned the ships and jumped into real estate investing. And uh, it took me another probably three or four months in order to get my first uh, real estate investment deal into wraps. But from there, I just uh, hit the ground running and started investing in real estate. At the same time, we started building this little coaching company, as at the time, And then eventually that took a life of its own. We eventually started hiring out more people in our portfolio. And then I started moving into more of the coaching side and went from cold calling to CEO within about seven years. That's really what the lifespan of that has been so far. And I'm sure there's many things that we could dive into in many different directions. You tell me what would be the best for your audience, Chad.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think the common theme we generally see here is everyone winds up with this defining moment where it's no one makes a change in their life until they wake up and they say, you know what? Enough is enough. There's a better way to do this. And it's usually not trading time for money. There's some aspect of whether you figure out how to invest and replace your income or whether you figure out how to go be active and actually generate investment opportunities that also replace your income and generate wealth from nothing. And so it's like, at some point we all have this this decision to make of like, how am I going to spend the rest of my life? And you clearly decided to go this direction. Fortunately, you had a father-in-law who had some information. So do me a favor and unpack that a little bit for me. So I, any, my, my ears go up every time someone says I got crushed in 2008 because, and I know it wasn't you, it was your father-in-law, sure. but I love hearing what lessons were learned. What caused him to get crushed in 2008? And how is his business different today that you're partnered with him in because Everyone has a different story. Like you can't just say I got crushed in 2008 and it was the same. Everyone's story was different. So if you don't mind, what were some of the lessons that you can take away from someone who survived 2008?
1: Yeah. I think what's interesting is when it comes from and why I believe we've created some success in the coaching world. And really what we do is we partner with people and we do real estate deals with them across the country. As I went through some pretty traumatic personal issues when it comes to drug abuse. So, I, I was able to crawl out of that. And then, so was, I'm happy to dive into that further, but we can always save that for a different episode. And then, my father in law mentally and emotionally went through a traumatic experience when it came to 2008. And we actually were on stage at our last event. We host two live events, and he was on stage and he actually was telling the audience his story. And he was saying to them, he had 23 projects going on at the time. He was primarily doing condo conversions, race the roof projects things of that sort, and he was personally guaranteeing the debt on all of the money that he raised in order to do so. So what happened when 2008 happened was all of his projects went down to a third of the value. Um, And at the time, he had good credit. So who is the bank going to call? They were calling him. So he then had to really renegotiate and restructure all of the debt in order to pay it over time. Because all of his projects were no longer gonna be able to, he was no longer gonna be able to refinance out of those and pull out his capital. He was put in a very bad place. So it took him a couple of years in order to get out of that. But because of that moment, right, is where he starts searching for new ways in order to invest in real estate. And that's where we came across the creative financing model. So the creative financing model is where we create some new rules because we never, he never wanted to be in that position again. And of course, I got to learn millions of dollars worth of lessons by hearing it from him. So that way I don't want invest in the same way he did previous. So we now no longer personally guarantee debt. You no, know, we've done hundreds of deals across the entire country, typically controlled anywhere from 60 to a hundred million dollars worth of real estate investing between us and our students at any point in time. Uh, we also don't put down large down payments. So we're never put in a position where we got too much money out there and we're never going to a bank. Not a single one of those properties that we ever go get a bank loan on, including our commercial building, which I'm sitting here right now. It's a mixed-use building. We structured that utilizing creative financing as well. So that was really like the development in the only way in full transparency that he was able to start investing in real estate again was utilizing these creative financing strategies.
0: That's so important. And I want to get really deep into that. And so folks, like how applicable is this right now? We are in a time that it is June, 2023 as of this recording. And we have experienced for the first time in 50 years, a like over a 500 basis point increase in what debt costs today. And what does that mean? So just to unpack this, you know, basically the debt that he's talking about, it was either short term, medium term, or just coming due at the time. And all of a sudden the value, so maybe he, when he borrowed it, it was 40, 50, 60, 70% loan to value. That's fine. Property values in 2008 went to a third. I'm not going to unpack why here. Just know that they did and know that was a massive course correction in the cycle. All of a sudden, if you had something that was 60% loan to value or 70% loan to value, it now became 150% loan to value, which means you're now blowing covenants with the bank. They're either going to call you up and require you to pay it down. or And the problem is if you sell it, you know now you can't pay off that loan if you sell the property. That's what happened in a nutshell. And so what he's talking about here and what I hope we get into in excruciating detail is we're even looking at this ourselves right now. We are tired of dealing with the bank. Every single risk I have ever had in my real estate career, whether it was short-term debt, medium-term debt, long-term debt, has been related to mitigating risk with a bank. And so it's if I control the capital stack, if, it's, if I'm raising my own debt fund, for example, then I don't have to deal with that. I control the debt. I control the equity. No, I'm not going to foreclose on myself. And so let's pivot into the meat of the episode today, Zach, because this is really where I think your coaching program is going to really shine, is creative financing. And how can you accomplish the goal of real estate investing by removing your biggest risk factor, which is collateralizing the property? So let's get into that.
1: Yeah. Creative financing, we can go in many directions here, but In all reality, creative financing is just the ability to have additional options in order to create more real estate opportunities. So if you're listening to this and you're already investing in real estate, creative financing could be a great way to slap it onto the tools in your tool belt, right? You got wholesalers out there. Right now, it's becoming more and more difficult to find good wholesale deals. The numbers are shrinking. So now what do you do? You're already marketing. You're already communicating with sellers. Um, Now it's, okay, if it doesn't fit inside my buy box as a wholesaler, what can you now do? You can now utilize creative financing strategies in order to now acquire it. And most importantly, hold on to it. So now you can start generating cash flow and start generating, like we do, non-refundable deposits and cash flow and start building in equity. Because we can buy properties. I'm just sticking on the wholesale for a second. We can buy properties that are potentially have no equity in the deal which is a fantastic opportunity, especially in today's market, because we know over time, Chad, is that eventually these properties are going to appreciate. And if we're holding on to them long enough in the current debt that's already on the properties, which are more likely to be properties that have in the smaller interest rate ranges right now, because before, say, 18 months ago, they were writing writing interest rates in the 4%, 3%, 2%. Now, if you can go ahead and acquire that debt, or acquire property subject to the existing loan is one of the options. You now are going to have that property appreciate over time and then you're going to have the debt pay down. So now you're building an equity. So now you're just now, so now as a wholesaler or somebody that's buying, wholesale, and fix and flip, you now have another opportunity to go ahead and acquire more real estate. And then on the other hand, too, you have sellers that you're actively probably speaking with that will not ever except 60 cents on the dollar, or 70 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar. And a lot of these sellers tend to be in good financial standing if they have a lot of equity. Also now, us as credit financing investors, we can offer a top dollar on these because we don't necessarily care about the price, we care about the terms. And that's where say owner financing or seller financing will come into play, which simply means I'm gonna close on the property, the seller's now gonna become my bank, and I'm gonna now be paying the seller as if they're the bank And the best part about it, especially when they're debt free, is we get to help create the terms of that agreement, which means that we're doing deals that have 0% interest rates on them. We're having deals that have low interest rates, step stair interest rates, you name it. There's so many different creative ways in order to do so. So those listening to this right now that are already actively in real estate, this is a new way to kind of like what you're saying is a new way to structure deals. Um, And at the end of the day, because you're not personally guaranteeing debt, we would never sign personally. We're either buying properties in a trust or in an LLC. We're not personally liable for any of that debt, so the bank's never going to call us if that's the case. And then also, if you're not going to banks, you never have to worry about that because the bank isn't. The bank only cares about the bank, as you were stating earlier. Uh, so now you're over protecting yourself. But then the other major pieces we most people that come into our community or a large portion of them that work with us are. Brand new real estate investors, just like myself. No real estate knowledge, but see a pathway or are looking for a pathway to start investing. And creative financing is a good opportunity to invest in a risk-averse type environment because of those rules that we talked about. It also is a great way to problem solve and to get deals that most other real estate investors are not able to acquire. As I was saying, we're not looking in the same buy box as somebody else. So we kind of have that multiple approach when it comes to this current environment, especially as the market is becoming softer for us active real estate investors, because you have so many different factors that are coming into play when it comes to more opportunities for us to go ahead and solve more problems that the traditional market can't solve. Nectar understands
0: that raising capital is labor and time intensive, and we exist to solve that problem for you. Nectar provides fast, flexible, cash flow-based financing for experienced rental owners and operators. Whether you need cash for acquiring properties, portfolios, or you simply need it for ROI generating renovations or expansion of staff, Nectar has your back. Grab your 12-month P&L with Debt Service and click the link in the show notes below to apply today. You know, it's funny because one of my biggest mentors in the economic space, Dr. Peter Lindemann, I mentioned him a lot on the show. He has a saying, if you have courage in capital when others don't, you'll typically do pretty well, right? If if you have the courage to go buy something when everybody's scared and you have the money to do it. And so the interesting thing is, what's the first money to dry up when times go bad? And it's rhetorical because the answer is lenders and let different lenders dry up at different times. Fannie and Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they'll be lending long after the banks stop lending, right? So it's like there's banks are first out, last in, and somewhere in the middle, you have debt funds popping out. So you know, when things get tough, money starts to dry up. And so I think what Zach is giving us here is the ability to think creatively, around. Okay, I need to come up with, it's really not even come up with the money. It's how do I get control of the asset? Like when values are down, especially any way you can find to safely get control of the asset. And I always use this analogy. When you're optimizing debt and equity, if you have too much debt, well, you maximize your earning power, but you minimize your staying power. If the wind blows, you're going to get foreclosed on, right? Mm-hmm. If you minimize debt, now you've also minimized your earning power, but you maximize your staying power. No one's going to come take the property from you, right? If, if, no matter what's going on. Because if you had no debt on your properties in 2008, you didn't care that values went down. You just well, I guess I'm not selling this year. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. So what we're getting here is an interesting opportunity to come up with a way to control the property, with and in effect come up with the money because the the seller is also going to be your lender at that point but you also depending how you can structure these can maximize your staying power this isn't it's a lot maybe you can correct me on this if i'm wrong but i perceive creative financing that you're probably going to set it up to where the lend the seller can't easily foreclose on you like a bank could with all the different red tape they have in there so, so let me turn it back over to you i've said a lot there but let's talk about some semantics on it. I'm like, like, how does this work? How do you set these things up? How do you prevent the seller from acting just like a bank and taking the property from you? Well, let's talk about those risk mitigations a little bit.
1: Yeah. I love that you bring this up and I figured you would. I seem to be a very analytical, you know, actually a lot of our students are engineer brains. That's why it's like, as soon as we have the ability to teach them how to communicate, Structuring the deals isn't the challenge. It's the solving the problem and the communication of understanding the problem that becomes the biggest challenge because really creative funds and the way to look at it is it's really just solving problems. And we live in, we work in a people business and we just happen to have or work with assets that are real estate. That's really what we sell the idea and a solution. So when we're talking with, say, just sellers, just working on the seller side. We haven't hit on the buyer side yet sellers. We're really looking at two pieces. One is we need to understand what's their motivation. Why are they selling? Where do they want to go? And by when? Most important thing. And I don't mean just like surface level motivation, like really understanding if they do not sell or if they don't end up where they want to be, what that actually means to them. That's Because once we understand that, then the only other piece we need to understand is the financials on the property. Because we, we talked about how we really have like at least three acquisition strategies. Lease options, subject to deals, and owner financing. So the next question is like, how do I know which one to use when? Because then this will start to answer a question, which is once we understand the motivation and the financials, now we get to be a solution provider, or this is where the creative and creative financing really comes together, which is now we have to match the motivation and the finances in order to figure out what's the right solution. So when you're talking about how do I control real estate, one great way to do so without ownership is a lease option. It's probably one of the simplest ways to get involved in creative financing or real estate investing, period. Because these are the deals that you hear no money down, right? Talk about staying power and talk about risk mitigation. Don't give anybody any money. That's how you do that, right? Because what's your upside? Infinity and what's your downside? Really nothing. Um, If you have to give back the property, which is very rare in our world, but if we're looking at worst case scenarios, you've lost nothing. But you have a major upside Because when you control a piece of real estate, say, utilizing a lease option or a lease purchase, now you have the ability to sell that property because you have equitable interest. And now you have the ability to make, we would consider our three paydays, which is the non-refundable deposit, monthly cash flow, and then build an equity. So the most risk averse niche or most risk averse acquisition strategy would probably be a lease option. But it also doesn't account the fact that you don't own it, right? So it's controlled. You're not getting the tax breaks and the benefits of ownership so then we look at the other side and we say all right now this really depends upon the finances on the property because if i actually want to own the property then now i have to acquire utilizing one of these other two strategies one would be buying a property subject to the existing loan which is typically when we buy these properties it's typically when a seller is in a financial challenge means there's no equity in the property or they're behind on payments so then what we do is we'll then come in and we'll acquire the property. We'll close on it, most likely in a trust. That's how our attorneys recommend we do it in a family trust and then the beneficiaries are LC. And the way we buy that, as we close on it, title will come to our company and then the seller's credit will still be re- attached to that mortgage because we are not going to pay off that loan. So that loan will be attached to the seller. Now we or contractually obligated to go ahead and make the payments for that seller. So again, if we're talking about risk mitigation here, what's happening is you didn't have to go get debt. There's already debt on the property. You now acquire a piece of property without exchanging the debt, but the title has transferred to you, and now you own it. The huge benefit is because right now we're acquiring pieces of real estate that have 2%, 3% interest rates right now.
0: Jordan. For 30 years, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, for 30 years. exactly On a 30-year amortization schedule, exactly. And with that, now we have, and especially with subject to deals, we typically have no end date. It's not We're never promising the seller we're going to pay off the loan at any point in time. Because of those two pieces that I added earlier, because I usually tell the seller, look, we can go ahead and solve your problem, but we can't promise an end date right now because I have no idea when the market's going to come back and when there's actually going to be equity in this house so, I can exit because I need that principal to pay down and need the appreciation to happen so that I can go eventually exit. So, again, if we're looking at risk versus reward in these types of transactions, very little risk on our end because we didn't personally guarantee that debt. We didn't put much money down. The seller could have been behind on payments, which then, of course, we'd have to look at that option as well. But now we have this staying power of we can hold on to this property for the next 30 years or however long we want to hold on to because eventually the loan will pay off. So then the last piece would then be going after or looking for sellers that have debt-free houses. So these are the sellers that have second homes typically or are relocating, anything of that sort where they have financial stability. And we know they do because if they actually needed money, they would have refinanced out their property a long time ago, pulled out the capital, but instead they have debt-free houses. And according to some stats, I think it was like 12 months old, but it's roughly a third of the properties in the United States are debt free. So huge pool of sellers that you can communicate with. So this is when we approach those sellers. And now when we go ahead and acquire that property, again, some of these are no money down. Some of these are 0% interest rates uh, on these properties. But the seller is looking for maximization of their profits or highest purchase price. So, now, what we do is we get our attorneys together. The attorneys constructed a loan on this house, and now the seller is sitting in a first position, and now we uh, as the bank per se, and now we're the homeowners. So now, how do we help these sellers from avoiding a foreclosing ours? There's a lot of written language inside our mortgages, especially when our attorneys draft them up, that give us the ability to either stall a foreclosure or, number two is, only makes us liable for the money that we paid the seller now that is in our written agreements where it says so if i've been making 24 months worth of monthly payments and the seller and for some reason i default on that loan now i was only liable for the amount of money that i already gave the seller and now they can go ahead and just take the house back so a lot of the a lot of the leverage that we as real estate investors is just knowing the nuances the ins and outs of lending and then also having the ability For our attorneys to craft up a mortgage that both the seller and us can go ahead
0: yeah and folks what he's talking about here is investing with asymmetric returns if you invest in the oil industry if y'all have watched that over time it can go up just as high as it can go down right that is a symmetric return your risk is just as big as your upside potential what he's talking about here is taking what's an already asymmetric return typically your downside on real estate is lower than your upside what he's talking about is compressing that downside even further to where you're really not liable for the majority of that loan if you're taking the stance. So Zach, just to help bring it all together, give me a little one, two, three on on the three different types uh, of things we just discussed and maybe 10 second, how they're different from one another.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So easiest way to get involved in creative financing, lease options. It's just the ability to control an asset without ownership. Just you put it under agreement, now you have the ability to sell it. And you're in the middle and that's also known as a sandwich lease. So you get a property as a lease purchase, go ahead and collect the difference and you'll sell it as a rent to own or a lease purchase as well It's known as a sandwich lease two is buying a property subject to the existing loan this means that you're going to actually close on the property this also means that there's a already existing loan on the property so title will transfer that loan will remain in place and then the third is owner financing will niche down even further and say this is when you approach debt-free houses and this is where the seller becomes your bank you close on the property Seller now is holding a mortgage that you're paying.
0: Great time to learn these strategies, folks. And again, I keep saying to people, don't worry about the debt market right now. Focus on the values. Values are compressing a little bit. Sorry, cap rates. Values are compressing uh, to us an extent. I don't know how far they'll go, but as many things as you can get control of now, it, you know, these are the times when you're going to build wealth and creative financing will help you do it. So, Zach, before we get to the quattro questions, tell me a little bit about Smart Real Estate Coach. And how you can help people who are looking to learn more about how to apply these strategies.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking. So, there's really, when we look at a smart real estate coach, we have a community of people in which, so our main mission is to be known as the community that transfers, that transforms, dedicate people into wicked smart real estate investors. So, what that really means is that if you're somebody that's looking to make a dramatic change in your life, either from a lifestyle, like you really enjoy your W-2 job, but you just want to increase your lifestyle through investing, or somebody that wants to actually make the leap and take back their life and move from W-2 to eventually real estate investor full-time. It's exactly who we work with. And what we do is we lock arms with those either green or seasoned real estate investors and literally put a coach inside their, inside their company and help them build out their real estate portfolio with every aspect of the real estate deal. Because we know the biggest part when it comes to real estate is not learning, it's the implementation of it. And especially dealing with the nuances as you're going through a real estate deal, so that way you can maximize your profits and eliminate your downside. We lock arms with them, doesn't matter where they are in the United States, or also we work in Canada as well. And we just do deals with them and help them put real estate deals in their portfolio. So massive amount of support. And we do that all with creative financing because all we did is we took our real estate company from Southern New England, Masson Island, Connecticut, create a proof of concept, continue to do deals here. And then now we just implement those systems and procedures in every single market across the country where people pump up and want to do deals with us.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And so we're going to get right into the quattro questions, but because we just went through that, we're going to do the last one first. Tell me the best way to get in touch with you and your company. A just to reach out to find some value, add material, or to try to seek some coaching here.
1: Yeah, the best place to go, and we wanted to make sure that we gave everyone our Amazon best selling book, our first one. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, we're absolutely free. So you don't have to pay any shipping or handling. Uh, you can go buy it on Amazon, but free sounds a lot better because we, we covered uh, a lot in a short period of time and to really digest and dive through creative financing, important to look through case studies and things like that. So it really bridges the gap. All you got to do is go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Chad. It's just wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Chad and you'll receive real estate on your terms was the first book and it really dives deep into all these different techniques.
0: And, folks, as usual, just scroll down wherever you're listening to this YouTube, Apple Podcast, whatever that link will be right there for your clicking pleasure. So, no worries there. Next question. Are you ready, Zach? Put you on the spot. Sure. All right, brother. What is your superpower in life or business, and how does it serve you? Yeah,
1: I ask my wife this all the time because I'm, man, she i she says just love- none,
0: right? And I'm kidding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know, because I'm one of those people that's always the like, question what do I do as I'm going through my business journey? My personal journey and she pointed this out to me she said that zach you can basically look at any business be able to dissect it and provide a solution in a very short period of time so i would say my superpower is like really understanding pattern recognition and also uh, understanding how companies function and, and provide a solution to help them grow and scale in a relatively short period of time
0: i love what you said there and, and hone in folks on pattern recognition the three skills in life for pattern recognition pattern utilization, and then eventually pattern influence. It's amazing what you can do when you have those three abilities in whatever sector you're in. So I'll leave that there. Let's switch over to the other side of the coin, Zach. What is your biggest failure? Could be life or business. And what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah. They always say it's only failure if you stop. I'd say the biggest challenge that I faced in life, when I was growing up, I went through, as I briefly mentioned it, a bit of a stint where I was caught up in drug abuse, I would say, in that- that happened because I, I had a single mom. I see a majority of my friends had single moms. We were wild children, per se, and didn't have a ton of guidance. And then we also went through, a, I went through a series of uh, personal traumatic things that happened, including the loss of my father. And I would say, so my biggest challenge that I faced was really being able to get out from underneath that, that addiction. I, I always say this, I always, and the AA people out there probably hate me for me saying this. I, I believe... That One of the biggest challenges that we have when we have in things of that sort is that every single day they make you stand up and say, I am whatever it is. I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. And I believe that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's why people consistently go back to AA. But what I do is I flip the script in my head and I said, I was, and that's why I never went back. So the biggest lesson that I learned from that was if you consistently, or if I consistently self-visualize good or bad, it's going to be self-fulfilling and I, I utilize that on a daily basis here as well. I know I went a little off track there, but I want to make sure I hit that point.
0: No, that's perfect. And so I think the place I'll go next is one of Quattro's four pillars is philanthropy, people, property, profit, and then philanthropy, coming back and taking care of people. So what I love to do is invite guests on the show to share their philanthropic hearts and where you're putting your money and your time and your efforts, treasures, because sometimes our listeners will actually donate on you on that behalf. So, you mentioned in the beginning that your business puts a portion of revenue into a certain cause. I'd love to hear what that is and hear why.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So, there's two causes that I always support. One was the Purple Project, directly related from Chris Heron, where people help kids and educate kids when it comes to drug abuse. Uh, but the company that we have always supported from a philanthropic standpoint is Franciscan's Children's Hospital. My brother-in-law Nick who's actually one of my business partners, is what we call a, a buyer specialist, which means that he helps all of the rent-to-own buyers out there within our programs. And he, when he was losing fifth, sixth grade, I want to say, sixth or seventh grade, he actually landed on his head snowboarding. And he had to go through an entire process of learning how to walk, talk, and eat again. He's now he just did a couple of TED Talks and things of that sort. In France, just, Franciscans Children's Hospital in Brain, Massachusetts is the one that helped them get through that entire process. So for the past past 10 years, a portion of every single one of our real estate deals, we donate into the what we call the Prefontaine Foundation.
0: So y'all are going to really laugh at this, I and mean, it's an amazing coincidence, but... Literally the last episode I recorded was with Nick Prefontaine. And I was like, why does this story sound so familiar? So I did not realize the two of you were linked. That's amazing that you both came on the show, like literally episode back to back. So folks, the episode that was released literally right before this, maybe one or two before this is Nick Prefontaine. So go listen to that story as well. Another fantastic and similar creative financing discussion. So fantastic. That's such a small world, dude. I love that. So, all right, Zach, it's been a pleasure having you on the phone. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and just your willingness to help people learn these creative financing techniques. Love to have you back on the show sometime soon. And we mentioned this a few minutes ago, but what is the best way for people to get in touch with you as well, other than just download the book?
1: Yeah, I'll just, you can find us on all of the social media places at Smart Real Estate Coach. Uh, Find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We've been doing. Over, I think we have over 200 deal structure Sundays out there. So, if you really want to dive into the techniques of these real estate deals and you want to watch it from a YouTube perspective, just go ahead and find us at Smart Real Estate Coach on YouTube. You can find us all on those fun places. Yeah.
0: All right, Zach. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll chat next time.
1: I appreciate you. Do you manage multiple legal entities? Is your data scattered across various unsecure systems? Is your team spending too much time on manual processes? Do you struggle to meet reporting deadlines? Simplify Entity Management and Compliance with EntityKeeper. EntityKeeper helps easily manage entities, build and maintain complex organizational charts, and track filing deadlines. All in one secure, cloud-based platform. And with automated alerts and centralized document storage, you'll stay two steps ahead of compliance deadlines. Click the link in the show notes
0: to learn more and book a demo. Well, that was a great episode. I really love when I don't realize that an affiliated guest was just on my show and I connect it right there at the end. So I hope y'all chuckled with me just a little bit. So I hope you enjoyed learning about lease options subject to lending or acquisitions and seller financing. This is a reminder. You're not going to use these everywhere. So maybe don't lead with this, but it's definitely a bolt on solution to your real estate repertoire. There's that word again. And I really hope you enjoy applying for it. So, again, as a reminder, they are giving away their number one selling book for free if you go to wickedsmartrealestate.com slash chad. I hope I got that link right. It's in the show notes. So, real quick, I'm just going to double check. I think I did get that right. And it is wickedsmartbooks.com slash chad. That's wickedsmartbooks.com slash chad. Now, folks, don't forget, if you got any value out of this show, you got to leave us a five-star review and comment, like us, and subscribe on all the things, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, all the things, but at least leave us that comment. That is the only way you can pay it forward to make sure someone else like you hears this show, okay? Without further ado, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, friends, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.